Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 168, The Song of Moses, Coda. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And we're back again. We got a new year, of course. We've already mm-hmm. welcomed in the new year, John. But uh, this new year is shaping up to be pretty crazy, huh? I think this is going to be a crazy one. It's already starting off wild. Turbulent. <laughs> Turbulent, wouldn't you say? Uh, I think that uh, there's definitely something going on where maybe this year is going to bring to fruition a lot of the plans uh-huh. of Agenda 2030 is in the works. They're yep. going to push further on that. Uh, we got a potential world war sitting there with an idiot of commander-in-chief who is probably just ready to light the powder keg, you know. Which, by the way, and this may be an aside from what you're going to talk about here, but I hear that in May they take a vote on the sovereignty of our nation where they could potentially turn over the sovereignty of our nation over to the World Health Organization. Yes. And they could do that because the World Health Organization, once they agree to to turn that sovereignty over, could just say, hey, there's a new pandemic, and they, by the way, they define it, and then they take over you putting in worldwide mandates or mandates for the United States, and that comes through the World Health Organization slash the New World Government right? rather than our government, our representative government. That right? very thing was brought to my attention with an interview that Tucker Carlson did. Did you see that with that doctor? I, I watched that last night. Did you? Yeah. The biologist? <laughs> yes. I, I'm drawing yes. a blank on his name. A yeah. brilliant, yeah, articulate, yeah. intelligent yeah. Uh, speaker uh, that did a better explanation of the mRNA yeah. Gene therapy than yeah. anything I've ever heard. It was a very technical uh, interview. It was. So it was a little hard for me to follow because well, I'm not good at that. I, but I, it I see. Still was very very informative. Yeah, I see your point. It was technical, but it was it was in. He did his best to bring it down to my level, mm-hmm. and I I got a better understanding than I'd ever had before. He also alluded to the fact that there that we have a government that's not really being run by the people in the government, it's by not. forces behind those people. And he he was mentioning that and he was speaking to that, but you could also see that he was reserving himself and not explicitly, explicit, sorry, I can't speak, explicitly saying that. Right? Yeah, he was, yeah. He, he was, was holding little... back, but he was also saying it at the same time. It was really interesting. It, I would recommend that everyone goes and watches that. I would too. And it would have been one of the most recent Tucker episodes. Yeah. I, I apologize to that physician that... He's a he's a, a a scientist, a biologist, a doctor, and I cannot think of his name. But if it helps you to know, he's uh, he's just got a very uh, uh, succinct way of speaking, yeah. and uh, it, it's worth it. And he does talk about these things. And you know what's interesting, John? Um, I read a lot of political type blogs, uh, uh-huh. mostly libertarian leaning, like LouRockwell.com. And there's a lot of intelligent writers who see what's going on from the standpoint of they understand this is not just about money. 
Mm -hmm. uh, money is certainly a motivator yeah. globally, yeah. but they see something intrinsically evil going on, but mm -hmm. they all of them completely ignore the spiritual component to this. And while we constantly go back and harp on Ephesians 6.12, principalities and powers, that's mm -hmm. who we wrestle, mm -hmm. um, it, it's like these people still think there's a political solution. If we could just withdraw our consent and all these kind of things they, they map out that we can do, prepping and this and that. Nowhere do they ever address the spiritual side. By of these people, what do you mean? Who, who are these people? Experts in economics, in political science, uh, in all, all manner of aspects of of the cultural. Okay, so phenom. not not our quote unquote leaders. No, these are people that are opposed to our leaders. Yeah. The, yeah. the the website I'm thinking of one in particular. I'll just give them a shout out because I've benefited greatly from reading them. It's LouRockwell.com and it's L E W Rockwell. Okay. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. And their motto is anti state, anti government, pro market. Okay. Okay. So that's where they come from. And while I can agree with many things they say, and I do, um, they still are missing that big elephant in the room, which is the spiritual battle. Yeah. And even Tucker recently uh, <clears throat> made a confession that he used to think this was all about money and power, but now he thinks it's something more evil. There's something more evil going on there, and he's acknowledging there's some spiritual aspect to this. He brought up the term mm -hmm. Nephilim in an interview not yeah, long ago. I saw we that. talked about that with Roseanne Barr. Yeah. So I think that the world is waking up, uh, but we're here to try to put Bible to so the, the, word, the understanding. Yeah, and the word Nephilim is trending right now, huge is on it? social media. I didn't know that because of what has happened in at this mall in Miami. Oh, that's right. Which we still don't know what really happened. We don't know what happened. There's a lot of eyewitness accounts and things like that, but. It's amazing to me how much spiritual warfare, which has been, I guess, hidden. I don't know if that's a good term or not, but it's been hidden from people in the past. You definitely don't hear about it in church, right? So you're only hearing about it through podcasts like this or other great podcasts that are out there or maybe other sources, the Internet. You're not going to hear about it on the news, right? And you're not going to hear about it on And church. I'm not sure I'm believing the official news about what they say happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't so, have 60 squad cars for four kids or 15 kids. No, 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 that's crazy. But the, 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 I, I guess my point is you have all these eyewitness accounts, right? And people are seeing stuff, and it's actually like social media is the best news you can get now if you are discerning and you look and see what's real and what's mm -hmm. not, and you try your best. But the, the crazy thing to me is how the word Nephilim is becoming mainstream to people now. Whereas mm -hmm. if you had mentioned this to somebody two years ago, if you had said, what do you think of Nephilim? Never heard I don't of even know what you're talking yeah. about. And myself included, right? I would have been like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Now you could probably interview 10 people on the streets, and I bet you two or three would say, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. And in another six months, it's probably going to be five or six out of 10 because they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's whatever. I agree. I saw this on social media. I saw these videos of um, UFOs. I saw that thing in Miami. Who knows what's going to happen next? I agree. It's, it's coming out, I guess, is my point. So they're, I think it's shows becoming like more this, mainstream. Yeah, shows like this are so timely. But, you know, yeah. Uh, that podcasting is becoming the, the better source of information. Absolutely. Like that interview with the guy I was talking about with po uh, Tucker was saying, we don't have journalists anymore. This yeah. is the closest thing we have to real investigative journalism anymore, yeah. except for a few a handful like Glenn Greenwald and Tucker and a few mm -hmm. others. Well, John, we're going to dive into some investigative okay. journalism today, I guess. Let's uh, do it. We're going to investigate the Bible. Let's welcome our newest seekers. 
Yeah, so this episode is brought to us by our newest premium subscribers, or what you refer to as our seekers, right? Folks that are seeking the truth, and this is Sherry M. Bradley W., Tom K., Jason F., and Samantha B., all of which came to us in July of last year, being 2023. Thank you all so much for supporting the ministry. Absolutely. We thank you. And I, I'm, I'm glad we're finally catching up, but here we are in 2024. We're still in July of no, 2023. I, like I keep thank saying, our subscribers. I keep saying we don't want to catch up. We want more subscribers. That's a good point. So we have to start doing 10 at a time to catch up. <laughs> you know, that may, may, maybe that's what we should do next is, is go for 10 at a time, but we'll start that in February. Okay. And real quick, we're going to let our people know, uh, not just our seekers, but everybody that listens, we're, we are going to start this month in January doing a live once a month Q&A type broadcast That's awesome. uh, on YouTube and Facebook. You can find it on the last Thursday of every month, and this month it'll be the 25th of January. Okay. So 8 o'clock Central Time, that'll be 6 p.m. Pacific and 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you, If you want to participate and have us address one of your questions, write us, unlockthebiblenow at gmail.com, and put in the subject line, live Q&A. That way okay. we'll know you're not just seeking to ask me a question because I get questions all the time. Yeah. I want This is you're giving me permission to say, hey, use this in the live Q&A. Okay. So write your questions, give them to us in advance. We could still maybe take some that are that come up live in the chat session, but we prefer mm -hmm. to have some preparation. Yeah, and I'm assuming it's going to be organized by some topic, right? As best we so can. So if you write in, you got to remember, a lot of people are going to write in about a lot of topics. Sure. And you can't just scatter shoot everything in one Q&A, right? So you're probably going to pull 10 questions that are related to one topic. So if, And I guess why I'm saying this is because if you write in with a question and it doesn't get answered the next Q&A, it may be a, a month or two later when that particular subject is being talked about. Is That's that a correct? good point. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. So we'll do our get, best. I don't want people to get discouraged and go, I wrote in and they don't even talk about it, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. We can't talk about everything under the sun in one hour. That's true. So we'll do our best to address every every topic we can. But if we see a theme going and we bring the topic together, yeah. a question that's maybe off topic, we may save for another episode. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. we'll do it. And, and I could still address you directly if I need to as well. So we're going to continue today, John, with the Song of Moses, and we're going to wrap up our series, fourth part. Okay. And we call this Coda. A Coda is a musical term for the last, you know, let's go to the end. Okay. You know, when you're reading a sheet music and you're told to go back to the beginning until you come to the coda, the coda is where you go to the ending and you wrap up the song. Okay. Right? So we're going to make this our wrap up today of the Song of Moses. And as we've mentioned, it's it's we always want to look at current events through the lens of Scripture. So that's what we've been doing because mm -hmm. Israel's been in the news. Most It's the center. It is the right center. Now. And, of course, it's been the center of controversy for ever since they became yeah. uh, a nation in 1948. But we've been trying to apply the prophecy of the Song of Moses throughout this series to what's going on, to look at it as instead of just taking the official narrative and Israel does no ill, or from an evangelical perspective, that's God's people and this all this is re restoring them into the land or part of mm -hmm. his protection of them. What we have seen through this is that um, we are uh, not convinced that the governmental leadership of the modern Israel is, in fact, a godly thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, in yeah. fact, what may be going on is uh, perhaps leading up to the times of the ends and a sign of the times of the ends, but it's not the fulfillment of God's provision and protection of this nation 
uh, more likely it is setting up the stage for the appearance of the Antichrist. Yeah. So we're going to hmm. wrap up today, Lord willing, in Deuteronomy 32. We're going to start there with the next verse in the Song of Moses, verse 30. So we'll start reading in verse 30. And this is where, again, God is giving Moses the song to teach the children of Israel. And he's reminding them of how he's protected them in the past. And he brought them into the land of Canaan and fought their battles for them. Where mm -hmm. he says, how should one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight, except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps, which is a poisonous mm. snake or mm -hmm. serpent. So it is my opinion that the um, that posing as dragons uh, or venom of uh, the poisoning rather, excuse me, of dragons and the venom of asps is the doctrine it's a it's a reference to doctrine that the leaders of Israel he's saying you know you you already said you forsook the rock which is a mm -hmm. capital R in a King James Bible and that's a prophetic yeah. reference to Jesus yeah. Christ the stone of stumbling the rock of offense and you you not only did you forsake that but he said how how else could you have put 10,000 to flight unless the rock was fighting your battles and is that a reference to when they drove other countries or other nations out of their land? Exactly. Okay. With the giants, with the Nephilim among okay. them, right? And who would the two be? Uh, the two putting 10,000 to flight are just any two individuals. Okay. That two two soldiers in the army of Israel, oh, okay. how could they put 10,000 I thought to it was flight? maybe a reference to like Joshua and another person in, well, in the Bible who drove these people out of the land. Yeah. It's not. Okay. It, well, interesting that you mentioned the name Joshua because it was Joshua and Caleb that were the two faithful of the 12 spies. Okay. That went yeah. And so God did use Joshua in a mighty way and Caleb as well. Okay. Uh, so it could be that that's a reference. To okay. Them. Yeah, absolutely. But the point here is that they, when he refers to their vine being the vine of Sodom and the wine, their wine is the poison of dragons. Well, wine, when Jesus referenced to, you don't put new wine in old bottles, remember? Mm -hmm. You put yeah. them in new bottles. So it was a reference to the doctrine that he gave the 12. He didn't give it to the Pharisees because they were old bottles. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what you find is their wine was venom. The leaven of the Pharisees, the doctrine of the serpent followers, the children of the serpent. Mm. So I think it's still being promoted today through modern Israel. There's this legalistic, it's still a blindness that's happening. They don't see Christ as Messiah. Yeah. So I don't see how yeah. that group of leaders, whether they're secular leaders or religious leaders that are still adhering to the law, when Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone. That so believes. you're saying that their current doctrine, that they're still following because they denied the Messiah or he, that Jesus was the Messiah, is the wine of the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps today. Yes. Today. today. Right? And interesting, he uses the terms dragons and asps, which are serpents. Mm -hmm. And Jesus Christ said, you serpents, you vipers, when he referred to the Pharisees. You're, you're as your father, the devil. Right? Absolutely. Isn't that the, isn't that the verse? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So bringing us with that thought in mind to the next verse, verse 34, we read, Is not this laid up in store with me and sealed up among my treasures? To me belongeth vengeance. 
and recompense. And so what he's saying is all this that I just mentioned about your venom, your poison, your doctrine, your wine, mm -hmm. uh, your vine is like Sodom. It's a, it's a bad grape. Yeah. You know, yeah. all of this, he's saying, I've laid that up in store. I, when I come back, I'm going to pay. I'm going to seek my vengeance on you for this, for distorting my truth, for de hmm. deceiving okay. my people, for misleading them with false doctrine. And in, in, in essence, for claiming to be my people when you're not. You know, we've already talked about there's a synagogue of Satan, whoever that might be, yeah. that claim they're Jews, but they're not. So we know there's a falsehood there. Mm -hmm. We know there's yeah. a, a, con a conniving and a deception going on. So he says, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. And God says, I'm the one who repays back. That's why he didn't call us to do this. He didn't call yeah. the church to fight this battle. You know, we stand yeah. and we're called to fight against spiritual wickedness. But how do you fight an angel? How does a man, flesh and blood, fight yeah. a fallen angel? You know, so through the word, only through the word. Sure. And yeah. in the power of yeah. God's might. So, so their foot shall slide in due time, he says, for the day of their calamity is at hand, the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay. You know, when God's going to judge them. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. Now, keep in mind, the Lord's going to judge the entire world, but there's a particular judgment on those who are false in Israel. Hmm. To okay. those faux leaders and to the serpents and dragons, which obviously are lined up with the Antichrist. Yeah. You know, lined up with the dragon. For the Lord shall judge his people that first. You know, he's going to judge his people first and repent himself for his servants when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. So I would argue that modern Israel today, they have power. They sure. have nuclear yeah. weapons. They have an army. Uh, they have the IDF, uh, Israeli Defense Force. Uh, and something will likely occur to break this power. Before the Lord comes back, you know, there's there, when we talk about mm -hmm. the God hiding his face from Israel and they're going to seek him in their affliction. Well, yeah. then maybe it's going to be through the breaking of this power since history has a way of repeating. Sure. You know, they're going to be broken like a Nebuchadnezzar or something is going to break them. And maybe it's the Antichrist himself, you know. Hmm. Because at some point there's that battle of Ezekiel 39, Gog and Magog, which we're going to turn to in just a moment. Okay. And when they invade, uh, God has to mightily intervene to protect his people. Okay. And they're going to invade the mountains of Israel. So it could be that whatever's going on now might culminate in the wrecking of the military might of the modern nation state Israel. Yeah, yeah. And then Gog and his bands attack when they see an opportunity. So that would be the ushering in of the Antichrist as the man who brings peace then, right? Because if all of these nations that surround Israel, and we see it now, right, where they're yeah. being attacked on, I heard on a recent podcast that they're being attacked on seven different fronts right now. And maybe that increases, but let's, yeah. let's say they penetrate the mm -hmm. army and, or armor and get in and destroy the IDF and all of their forces. Right. At some point in there, maybe I'm reaching a little bit, the rapture occurs then. I, I would, and, and then they go into, then the man of power, or what I don't know what you call him, the Antichrist, right? He comes in to usher in the peace. Yeah, I, I would say, and we don't know this for sure, mm -hmm. but if I had to guess, I would say that when God does invade, from that point forward, we're going to read a verse in a moment. In fact, let's turn there, because this will okay. answer your question. Ezekiel 39, verse 21, because... 
at that point, it's going to say, Israel's going to know that I'm their God. So this is going to come back to answering your question. Okay. Verse 21 of Ezekiel 39. And I will set my glory among the heathen after, after God destroys Gog. He, he spiritually intervenes to stop this, uh, um, turns back all but a sixth. That would, be the, that would be the final coming of Christ then? No, no, this is before it, before the seven years begins. Okay. So this is going to take place, this could take place at any moment. Okay. Okay. So I will set my glory among the heathen, verse 21, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I've executed and my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. So as far as I'm concerned, evangelical Christianity is wrong to assign a date of God's provision for Israel before this happens. Okay. From that day forward, they will know that I'm their God. Now, I'm not saying the Lord may not have a hand in all of history that's leading up to this, mm -hmm. but it's not the, the spiritual intervention, in my opinion, that took place in 1948. It's here that this is going to take okay. place. So my guess would be... It might occur that the rapture will take place right when this happens. Hmm, okay. Uh, it, it, because we might be the thing that disappears while this the world is focused on here, and we might just be a blip on the radar. Now, you know, it would be hard to say millions of people disappearing wouldn't be noticed. Sure. Maybe it's not as many as that. You know, maybe the church being removed from the world is going to be a smaller number than we thought by the time this happens, yeah. you know. However, it would appear to me that when Gog is destroyed uh, from the mountains of Israel in this time, this is when they're going to know the Lord is their God. So how could it be before then? You know, how could it be 1948 or yeah. the Six Day War in 67 or something like that? You so know? Are, are you saying that the rapture would occur simultaneous with this event? Possibly. And, and that everyone who remains on earth, will, a, a vast majority, or not a vast majority, but a group of them would then be like, Holy cow, we just missed the boat. That he really is the Lord. Is and that, in my opinion, that may be a sign that wakes Israel up. Yeah. This deliverance, along with the disappearance of the church, could be, oh, he was Messiah. Yeah. And maybe that's when they turn from transgression. And this is that culminating event that causes them to seek him. And the Lord no longer hides his face from them. But doesn't that then set in motion the events of the Antichrist to come into power? Absolutely. And is that what drives these people where it says it drives them? They basically have to go into the wilderness to live or take the mark of the beast, right? Well, not only does it set in motion, as you said, the events that bring about the Antichrist, mm -hmm. but it will then start the clock, if you will, of the 70th week of Daniel. Okay. which is the last seven years of tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble. And when that clock begins, then we know we've got a start and a finish to the seven years. So there's a middle mm -hmm. after three and a half, and that is the point that Jesus is referencing in Matthew 24 when he says, when you see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, run and get out of Judea. That's at the midpoint, though, midpoint. isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. When he declares himself to be God. Exactly. Right? But that's the beginning of the end because when Jesus says, then shall the end come in Matthew yeah. 24, that's what marks the end 
or the beginning of the end. From mm -hmm. that point forward, when he declares himself to be God in the middle of the week, three and a half years later, Jesus comes back. So let me ask you a question, and maybe this is a little a bit of a side, but does that mean that the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation are not actually that bad? Is no, they're bad? bad. Okay. They're bad. I, I don't know if that was a bad way to put that. Well, I'm going to refresh but, your memory about something because we touched on this a little bit okay. in another episode, and I don't remember which one. But I think we were talking about the two witnesses, remember? Okay. Moses and Elijah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe, are the two witnesses. Yeah, yeah. They perform miracles, and basically the plagues that Moses put on Pharaoh, they're going to put on the world. Okay. So the first three and a half years is not good. It's gotcha. just not the Antichrist creating all havoc and all the demons loose from hell. So it's not the, the it's not the oppression of the Antichrist. It's more of Moses and Elijah performing signs, which are the plagues. That's going to be equally bad. Mm -hmm. And then the Antichrist is the one that comes in to quote unquote, save humanity from what these two are doing. He puts them to death. Yeah. Nobody can kill them but him. Aha. Okay. So, so I, he stops them. I was kind of always, and this is a misunderstanding on my part, that the seven-year tribulation, maybe those first three years were like everybody just kind of milling around going, what just happened, man? And well, maybe they, there's a lot of spiritual activity well, happening. Well, there are definitely spiritual activity. So you're but it wasn't Proliferation of bad. the Nephilim, the days of no Moses. Yeah. What's going to be going on is during that time is going to be uh, setting that stage for people to take the mark of the beast, which will be implemented at the middle of the week. Yeah, and so you're going to have whatever we imagine could be that deception beginning, which is perhaps so-called aliens coming down, which are in fact fallen angels, mm -hmm. and offering to mankind whatever a solution to all your problems. And uh, but during that same period is the three, uh, uh, excuse me, of the first three and a half years is the hundred and forty-four thousand. Yeah. preaching the gospel of the kingdom again. Yeah. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they're warning Israel, focusing their message on Israel. 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes tells you all you need to know about who they're focused on. Are they preaching only to Israel or are they yeah. preaching to the entire world? The world's going to hear it, of course. Okay. Because, you know, we got news and global social media and everything else, yeah. Yeah. assuming it's still in, in place at yeah. the time. But... Um, they're focusing their nation. Christ said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. For three and a half years, he had a ministry. It's going to be a repeat of that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So go back okay. to Deuteronomy and we'll uh, consider uh, the next verse. Because remember, we had Ryan Peterson on in December. Yes. Just love having him on. And he always throws me some great ideas. And one of the things he was mentioning was, and and we're going we're gonna to cover this in a little bit more detail at the end of this uh coming up here shortly in a few minutes. But uh, he thought, remember we did when we began this series, there were two songs of Moses. One was in Exodus, and the one we focused on is in Deuteronomy. But Ryan ties the song of Moses in Revelation 15 to the other song. And after talking with him, I saw a connection to both. Okay. And so we're going to lay that one out too. We're going to give a little bit of attention to the Exodus song. But he makes the point that when uh, the song of Moses in Exodus is addressed, it was about the destruction of the gods of Egypt. Okay. The plagues were, were aligned to draw attention to the, the gods of Egypt. And so he says in Deuteronomy 32, verse 37, and he shall say, where are their gods? 
Israel that turned to the other gods. Mm -hmm. Where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. You can almost read the sarcasm in that. Yeah. God saying, okay, you didn't want me to be your God. You turned to these other gods. Well, where are they when I'm coming to judge you? So at some point, I know that Israel turned to other gods who could not prevent God's wrath from being poured out upon them. And it seems a similar thing will occur in the future. Hmm. That this is this is prophetic. It's history and prophetic. Because today, as we were talking about the venom of asps, the poison of dragons, to me, that is the Kabbalah occult Pharisee system that's in place right now. Yeah. That refuses to turn to the Lord. They're going to do everything in their power to prevent Jews from believing on Jesus Christ, as they do now. Mm-hmm. But there will be those in Israel who will turn back to God and seek his face in their affliction. Okay. And I think they're going to be the ones that will be God's true Israel. Hmm. Okay. Because their focus is, or their uh, qualifying um, characteristic is they will believe on Jesus Christ. Now, Deuteronomy 32, verse 39, God continues, See now that I, even I, am he. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. The God that will judge the other gods. And there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. God has wounded Israel all these years. Mm -hmm. They're blinded. They've stricken and smitten. He says, come, we'll go back to him and he'll bind us up. He'll heal us. He says, I wound and I heal. And I was making reference back to Hosea 6 when I said, let's turn back to the Lord. Okay. Uh, neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I, and that's a reference directly to you, the Antichrist says he can protect you from me. You know, hmm. Lucifer the dragon yeah. and his uh, seed. You, you're going to turn to him for protection? Hmm. I made him. You know, so neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and, and say, I live forever. And when God lifts up his hand, he is saying, I am swearing by my name because there's none greater, that what I say will come to pass. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine God has to swear to show Israel, I make, it, I make an oath, I swear to you that I will do this. Because that's fascinating, I right? Know, <laughs> it blows my mind that God acts in such a legal way. That's mm-hmm. an oath. That's like you raise your hand and you say, I do solemnly swear to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's where we get that from, you know? So for I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword, and the word wet is W-H-E-T, you might know that means sharpen. Okay. If you ever yeah. sharpen a sword, that's yeah, like a, wet, a whetstone. A whetstone, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's W-H-E-T. So if I wet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. So that's kind of fascinating that he is saying, I'm swearing an oath by my own name because there's none greater 
that if I sharpen the sword and I come, I'm kicking ass and taking names, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to say it, yeah. you know, I'm going to render the vengeance and it's going to be to my enemies all across the board, the dragon, his angels, the Nephilim, the nations, and the leadership of Israel that rejected Messiah. I think it is kind of fascinating what you mentioned there that God has to make an oath. Mm. And we see throughout the Bible, right, that he's made covenants yep. and promises, whether it be the rainbow, I won't bring the flood again, or other covenants, and and now he's swearing here. But then Israel continues to turn away, even though God the Father is making an oath to them. Yep. They still go back to what they their old practices of idolatry and man and never changes. Man. <laughs> that which has been no, and before. we blame them, right? But then I look at myself in my own life and I go, oh. you know, I do the same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're, yeah. Sometimes you read Israel's um, hard heartedness throughout the history in the Bible, and you think, how could they have been so yeah, stubborn? What a bunch of knuckleheads. And then I look at myself and I go, <laughs> I'm the same knucklehead. I'm, I do the exact same thing. I, you know, I, if I had been in Israel at the time, I would have been one of those unfaithful. Whatever. Stubborn, hard-hearted. And, and you think it's so easy <laughs> because you read the first four books of the Bible, and it's like they are literally traveling with the presence of God through the desert. <sighs> they can see this giant the pillar rock. of smoke and fire, and you would think, if you saw that, you'd think, okay, I'm definitely not going against that thing. And, and as soon as it disappears, they go right <laughs> back to what they were doing. Let's go make a calf out of gold. Right. <laughs> exactly. It blows my mind. But anyway, that's, a, that's an aside. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's true. And, and so what we're coming to in this uh, last few verses that we read in Deuteronomy 32 is the conclusion of God's wrath on all the earth, mm -hmm. on all the satanic global elites, all the nations who oppose God, the false brethren, that are going to be the ones that fall away. And, of course, the army of the Antichrist. So everyone's included in this. The synagogue of Satan, you've got it. And it's essentially, that's why I believe this is, uh, if, if, if it's including the Song of Moses from Exodus, which we'll address shortly, it has to include this one too in Revelation 15 because the next song is the Song of the Lamb, which to me is his victorious return. Mm -hmm. to defeat these enemies and everything else. So it's like he's saying, I'm going to remind you of what I prophesied, and here I am to fulfill it. Hmm. You know. So let's go back to Ezekiel 39, because I want to dare ask the question, and we did this with Ryan in the interview in December, but I'm asking the question, is it possible that Gog, now Ryan says he thinks it's a Nephilim, it's some sort of spiritual entity, mm -hmm. and he may be right about that. Okay. But I'm asking, is Gog, in fact, the secular Kabbalah-based Judaism that invades the land? Because that's what Gog does in Ezekiel 39. He comes to take a spoil, to take a prey okay. you know, of Israel. And they claim to be Jews. In other words, is, could it be that Gog entered the land in 1948? Okay, I was just going to ask you that. Wouldn't that, they are already there then? Yeah. Okay. And that maybe all this time they've been the ones taking this ball, taking the, the, the prey, and maybe they are, and I'm not talking about Jews in general, I'm talking mm -hmm. about this leadership, this group yeah. of Zionists, they are the synagogue of Satan and they're the driving power so behind So the invasion's Zionism. already happened rather than yeah. going to happen. And that the Lord's going to turn them back and maybe the, the, this Gog, is, uh, this uh, deliverance in Israel is going to be the Lord turning back the secular nation mm -hmm. uh, leadership of Israel. They're going to make, they've already uh, turning the world against them, 
through this treatment of the Palestinians. Yeah. And I'm, remember, we're not saying that the, the people in Gaza are innocent. I mean, the, the ones that yeah. attacked yeah. Uh, yeah. might have been set up by Israel and Mossad to do it. Yeah. Uh, but they're still enemies, and they're still they still kill people. They kill Jews, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they're what do they call them? The little kibbutzes or something that they were hiding in, you know. They're just horrible what happened. Yeah, uh, how they yeah. went in and attacked them. But um, but to turn around and slaughter twenty thousand innocent children that had nothing to do with that, just because they're Palestinians, yeah. doesn't seem like godly retribution at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still having trouble rooting out the Hamas leaders that were responsible. Mm-hmm. You know, they're finding them here and there, but how many people have to die before they get them? So I'm saying this. If we read Ezekiel 39, verse 25, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob. This is after he just said, From that point forward, they'll know I'm their God. Okay. Okay. Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. After that they've borne their shame and all their trespasses whereby they have trespassed against me, when they dwelt safely in their land and none made them afraid, when I brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. I just don't think this is describing the events of um, the Zionist agenda from start to finish with, with the first Zionist Congress of 1897 or whenever it was with Theodore Herzl to the establishment of, of the nation-state of Israel in 1948 mm-hmm. by the UN. All of that doesn't have anything to do with this, in my opinion. Okay. Well, it says this is after they've borne their shame. Well, they're still bearing shame because they're still mm-hmm. not recognized, in my opinion. Um, when I brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands and am sanctified in them in the sight of many nations, then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I've gathered them under their own land, and this is important, and have left none of them anymore there. Do you believe all the Jews in the world live in Israel? No. They don't. Neither will I hide my face anymore from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord. It hasn't happened yet. Hmm. If Gog even was the modern nation state of Israel that took the land and took a spoil, and I don't know that they are, I'm just saying what if. But if they are, because I'm daring to ask the question, everybody will accuse me of being anti-Semitic for saying this, but it's not true because I'm not anti-Semitic. Okay. In the least, I want God's Israel to be restored. I want yes. them to be a blessing. I want them to come back into the land. Absolutely. I want Jerusalem to be the, 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 the city where the word of God goes out to the nations and all that stuff. Absolutely. But there, we know there's somebody that claims to be the synagogue of Satan, and we don't know who they are any more than I know who God's true Israel is because I think they're hidden in the world. Okay. But if we're comparing the Song of Moses to the rest of Scripture, then here we see this defeat of Gog in the land. And when he turns them back, he says, from that point forward, they're going to know I'm their God. From that point forward, I will no longer hide my face from them. And from that point forward, after this deliverance, I will not leave any of them back in these lands of their enemies. Hmm. I left none of them anymore there. So to me, this event hasn't happened yet. So does that mean the Jewish nation then is scattered around the world and Gog has invaded 
that land? Am I, am I interpreting what you're saying correctly? Yes, yeah, separate the land from the nation. Okay. The land itself remains where it is geographic. Sure. Okay. The nation was scattered. Yeah. To their enemies' lands. Yeah. And when a group claiming to be Israel, and I'm not trying to say that sarcastically mm -hmm. or anti-Semitically, I'm just saying it factually. There's a group that says we're Israel. They name themselves Israel. They establish a modern nation state in 1948, mm -hmm. but they don't believe in Messiah. They are mostly led by secular Kabbalists, not true Torah Jews. Okay. As we've discussed, the true Torah, Jew, true Torah Jews don't believe they should be there. Hmm. Wow. You know, we've already talked about that. Yeah. So whoever true Torah Jews are, they might be God's hidden Israel. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they could be, Ryan discussed some people in the, the country of Ghana, in Africa. How, how, you know, could it be that, is Judaism a, an ethnicity only? Is it only genetic or could it be a religion? Hmm. And the true religion is not being practiced. Yeah. You know, so I'm just saying there's too many questions to say it's that cut and dried. Yeah, yeah. Israel, that's God's Israel. We need to bless them, even though they're exterminating innocent people in Palestine. Wow. You know, there's a lot of discussion to be had around that. Exactly. So I'm just saying, and, and when Ryan brought up the idea, which I'd never considered, what if Gog is a, a spiritual entity? Well, then he's behind all this, isn't he? Sure. You know, he could be behind Zionism just as much as he could be behind a physical army that takes mm -hmm. place, you know. So I don't know that it is absolutely Gog is Kabbalist Israel. Okay. But won't they be aligned with the spirit of Antichrist anyway? Sure. You know? Yeah. So that just brings me to the, to the conclusion of Deuteronomy 32, which is in the final verse of this psalm, the Lord proclaims the deliverance of his people and declares his return of mercy upon Israel. So I think this would match what we just read in Ezekiel 39, okay. which is Deuteronomy 32, 43. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his saints, of his servants, excuse me, and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And we know there's a time element involved. It's when he stops hiding his face from them. He leaves none of them in their land anymore. In the, uh, out of their land, rather. None of them in the yeah. land of their enemies. And he says, it's the date that I do this is when they will know that I'm their God and they're my people. Hmm. To me, that would be the perfect point at which the two witnesses appear. The 144,000 start preaching in Israel. and so the beginning of the seven-year yeah, tribulation. And they're going to turn their hearts back to the fathers. They're going to turn their hearts mm -hmm. to the Lord Jesus Christ. That would be the fulfillment of Malachi chapter 4, okay. in my opinion. Now, to be fair, Ryan brought up in the interview, Ryan Peterson, that he, he tied the Song of Moses and Exodus to Revelation 15. So to close this series, we're going to go read that song. I'm just going to read it quickly because it focuses, and the reason I said I kind of excluded it at the beginning of this series was because it focused on God's delivering Israel out of um, bondage in Egypt. Okay. And I didn't see it necessarily tied to the end times, but I can see Ryan's point now. So when we began the series, we learned with him that the other song was applicable as well. And while we spent our series covering Deuteronomy 32, it's only fair to look at the song in Exodus 15. Okay. And I think I want to get Ryan's perspective from, from that. Okay. So we'll start in verse 1, Exodus 15, 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. 
the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Now he's clearly referring to Pharaoh and his armies. Okay. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So you can see the Lord Jesus Christ coming back in this. Mm -hmm. You can see the type if, if Ezekiel 1 is repeating history, you know. Pharaoh's chariot and his hosts hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. So this was so specific to me, to the deliverance out of Egypt, that I didn't see a direct connection to the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. But Ryan points out the fact that not only is it God's deliverance, as he will deliver when he comes back. Mm -hmm. And it's, Ecclesiastes says, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. But we also see the judgment of the gods. And when you think about it, after God delivered them out of Egypt, they went into the conquest of Canaan. Granted, they wandered in the wilderness 40 years before that took place. Yeah. But when they went in, they were defeating the sons of the gods, yeah. the Nephilim hybrids. Hmm. Right? So we could see the connection to all that in the final battles in the time of tribulation. We'll go picking up in verse 6. We read, Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Well, the right hand of the Lord is Jesus Christ. Over and over yep. in the Psalms, he's God's right hand, thy right arm, you know. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upon, upright as an uh, heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. So since this song is about the Lord's victory over Pharaoh and his armies, I agree that both songs apply now. Since the Lord Jesus will return to overthrow the armies of the Antichrist, and Pharaoh is a type of yeah. the Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in this song, in this song in Exodus, the right arm of the Lord is Jesus Christ. So the context is still God's wrath, which applies in Revelation 15. Okay. Next verse, Exodus 15, 8. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as in heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. How'd you like to be the musician that has to put these lyrics to music? <laughs> Now, as I said, Ryan also pointed out God's plagues in Exodus that Moses poured out were judgments upon the gods of Egypt. And I do believe Moses is one of the two witnesses okay. that pours out the same plagues on Israel and the world. Egypt is a type of the world, so, you know, yeah. it's just more centralized. But he says these were judgments on the gods of Egypt, just as the fallen angels or gods will reappear in the time of tribulation, as Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. Right, hmm. And the Lord Jesus Christ will pour his wrath out upon those same entities at his second coming. So the next verse, verse 9, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. That's, you could say, what's what the Antichrist is thinking yeah. in his heart. Thou didst blow thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters, and he's referring back to the Red Sea. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in his holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? I mean, there's none like the Lord, all right? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. And we do see 
the earth swallowing up the army of the Antichrist like a flood in Revelation 12. Okay. Wow. So the similarities are there. I, I agree with Ryan that we can apply both songs. Next verse, verse 13. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. Now we see deliverance. We see protection. The ones that the Lord said run and flee into the wilderness, they have mm -hmm. a place prepared for them in Revelation yeah. 12. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Interesting that we were talking about the song that was proclaiming praise to God for delivering Israel out of Egypt. Now we got the mention. I've got people saying today that the word Palestine was a modern invention. It didn't even exist until Rome, you know, just defeated Israel in AD 70. And then they, uh, out of uh, spite, they called the land Palestine instead of Israel. Yeah. That's a lie. They're, they're misinformed. It's called Palestina from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it, essentially that Hebrew word is Philistia, the Philistines. Mm -hmm. That's what Palestine is. The Canaanites were the Philistines. So it's semantic word games that the Zionists want to say. Palestine didn't exist, you know. They're, they're trying to eradicate an entire group of people yeah, and say yeah. they don't deserve to be here. Yeah, They never had rights to this land or anything like that. And I would argue I don't think the people that are claiming that have any right to be there either. Hmm. Because it, the true Israel of God is who's going to inherit that land, not posers. I said it. You know. You're gonna get some backlash. Oh yeah. Oh well, I've <laughs> already comes. gotten it. You know. Well, I, I just think it's it's uh, opening up people's minds. Like, don't believe everything that you you hear. You know, you're just as guilty of falling for the official narrative of the right as you are of the left. Yeah. If you don't question the narrative. Yeah. You know, so right wing people say the left is all brainwashed. They drink the Kool Aid. So do you. Mm -hmm. If you fall for the Zionist propaganda. Yeah and the governmental right-wing propaganda. It's the same poison of asps. You know, mm -hmm. you can apply it either way. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. And interesting, that's a reference to before they went into the land of Canaan to take, to take it with Joshua and Caleb, the two that put 10,000 to fight, you know. Do you think that's a literal uh, term there? All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away? Is that literal? The Lord shall destroy them with the brightness of his coming. Is that like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Zechariah. They, holy Zechariah, cow. Uh, the book of Zechariah says they shall melt as they stand yeah. on their feet. Yeah, I think it's literal. Oof. And it's that's because of the presence of the Lord. And the glory of his pet yeah. night, you know. I don't think a person can stand in the presence of Jesus Christ if they're not saved. Yeah. Physically, flesh yeah. and blood, you know. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine army, they shall be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. And he's talking about passing over into the, uh, you know, the, the Red Sea, through the Red Sea. But uh, they're going to pass over into the land, too. Um, to conclude all this. I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 59, because to me, this is the, um, the defining characteristic of who is God's Israel. Okay. It's not genetic. It's not uh, people claiming to be Jews or whatever. 
Uh, it's not the Zionist thing in 1948. To me, it's this. Isaiah 59, verse 1. According to their, uh, verse 18, excuse me. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. And the islands is a reference to all the nations. Okay. So really, we're tying this back into the end of both songs, the songs of Moses. Whether it's Deuteronomy 32 or whether it's Exodus 15, it's God's vengeance upon his enemies for Israel. Okay. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. In other words, after this is accomplished, the nations will know who God is. They will fear him. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer, the arm of the Lord, the rock, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the Redeemer, shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Those are the recipients of God's deliverance, those that turn from transgression. Hmm. What was the transgression in Jacob? What was it? They rejected Christ. Mm -hmm. That when they turn from transgression, they accept him as Messiah. That's who he's going to deliver, not a secular nation state. Hmm. Okay. And then he goes on to close, as for me, this is my covenant with them, not the UN sanction, not the uh, Balfour Declaration, mm -hmm. not any UN sanctions or whatever, you know, whatever was going on now, and not even the United States uh, offer of military assistance. Hmm. Okay. This is the covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Jesus Christ is going to be the fulfillment of the covenant and Israel will be his people that turn from transgression. Hmm. Yeah. So that to me is what the song of Moses is telling us about what we should be looking for, where God's connection and relationship to Israel is concerned. Wow. Whichever song you want to choose, I think they're both pointing to the fact that the Israel of God is going to be the one that turns back to the Lord in their affliction. And somebody wrote me and said, you don't think the Holocaust was an affliction? Absolutely, it was an affliction. Yeah, definitely. It is not the affliction that causes them to turn back or they would be confessing Christ. And they didn't. Yeah. After all that. Yeah. If true. six million Jews died in that affliction and that wasn't enough to turn them back to the Lord, it's got to be something else. Hmm. Wow. You know. John, thank you. Good episode. Well, yeah. Appreciate you bearing with me through this series, and thank you all for uh, tuning with us. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to discuss the Son of Man. He's the Redeemer. Okay. And Ryan brought up this amazing thought in the interview when we talked to him about the sign of the Son of Man. So we're going to cover the name of the Son of Man, and we're going to cover the sign of the Son of Man. Okay. Good. So, Lord willing, we'll see you it. next time. Till then, be sure to look up. Our redemption draws near. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. Thank you.